This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, August 9th, 2020, given by Reverend Jack Shatama. Lessons from the Beach Sports. Good morning. It's good to be with you this morning. I, I want to say before I start that um, Carrie and Alan and, and I go back a long, long way. We actually met for the first time, I believe it was in 1989 or 1990, and it was at a St. Mark's homecoming service. Uh, Carrie's mom went to St. Mark's at, up in uh, Stanton. And uh, my wife and two daughters and I sat down at a table at the potluck after the service, and this couple with two girls sits down with us, and um, they introduce themselves as the Joneses and uh, their daughters, Aaron and Megan, and I introduced my wife, Jody and I, and, and our daughters, Megan and Aaron, and... <laughs> We're like, oh, isn't that weird? And then, what do you do, Alan? Well, I work for Prudential Insurance. What do you do? Well, I work for Prudential Insurance. He was down in Seaford. I was up in Newark. And so we just made this, this connection right off the bat. And uh, then we both we went through Walk to Emmaus, and we got to know them through that. And then we went through seminary. And we, we've been colleagues ever since, friends and colleagues. Uh, but I started at Camp Pocomath in 2000, and right around that time, is when they launched Connection Church. So, uh, you know, for the last two decades, we have been mutual admirers watching how God has worked uh, through the ministries that we've served to reach people for Jesus Christ. And and that's what we're about. We're about making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. You may wonder how Pocomath is doing. Uh, we're doing fine. Uh, we, ha- we were shut down from uh, the middle of March uh, until the middle of June uh, because of uh, executive orders by the governor of the state of Maryland. Uh, we've reopened gradually, but uh, we had to cancel summer camp. Uh, we just couldn't figure out a way to do that uh, properly. Um, we've reopened for retreats on a limited basis. Uh, but as you might imagine, uh, many, many people are uh, hesitant to gather in person like that. And so uh, we have seen uh, quite a few cancellations uh, through, through the end of the year. Uh, we've lost about three quarters of a million dollars in income between summer camp and retreats uh, up to date. And we, we're estimating it's gonna be about a million dollars total by the end of the year. The good news is, is that God is providing we have gotten federal, state, local, and private grants. Our donors are stepping up. And so, um, you know, we expect to be here for a long time to come because of the difference that God makes through the ministry. Praise God. Praise God. I'm going to read to you from Jeremiah 29, verses 4 through 14. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let the prophets and the diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not let, listen to the dreams that they dream, for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, says the Lord. 
For thus says the Lord, only when Babylon's 70 years are completed will I visit you and will I fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare, not for harm, to give you a future with hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, I will hear you. When you search for me, you will find me. If you seek me with all your heart, I will let you find me, says the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So you might wonder how this passage has to do with sports. I'm going to get there, Um, but the first thing I thought about when I was thinking about the beach, you know, lessons from the beach, is how you can tell where somebody is from by what they say. Like here in Delaware, right, they say, we're going to the beach. But if you go up to Philadelphia, New Jersey, what do they say? We're going down to the shore, right? And I grew up outside of D.C., but not too far from Baltimore, and if you were from Baltimore, you said you were going down the ocean. My family has been vacationing in the Outer Banks of North Carolina since 1989. We've been there virtually every year, at least one time, sometimes twice. And what we like about the Outer Banks is it's not very developed, so it's kind of far removed from daily life. There's this sense of peace, whether it's a sunrise or that late afternoon time when it starts to cool or the evening stars. There's a a sense of peace just being out in God's creation. God uses the Hebrew word for peace in this passage four times. He tells the Israelites who are exiled in Babylon to seek peace. Now, we know that that word actually has a broader meaning. It's shalom. And it means more than just peace. It means more than just the absence of war. It means the well-being, the wholeness that God intends for each of us. Seek that. This is really important because the background on this is that these exiles are in a strange land with their lives having been totally turned upside down. In 587 BCE, King Nebuchadnezzar of the Babylonian Empire invaded Jerusalem and conquered the king of Judah. And then in 597, 10 years later, They sent King Jeconiah and the entire court, all the politicians and religious leaders and economic leaders, they exiled them. They picked them up, sent them to Babylon, and made them settle there. It was actually a common practice. When you conquered an empire, the thing you wanted to do was you wanted to extract all the leadership from the country and bring them back home where you could watch them, right? Keep your friends close, your enemies closer. And and leave behind the working class people who feel lost without leadership. Jeremiah was actually one of those who was left behind. He was outside of the power structure of his day. And scripture tells us that that God allowed Nebuchadnezzar to conquer Judah because they had become idolaters. They had been worshiping false gods and their political and religious leaders were oppressing the poor. They were getting rich on the backs of the poor. Whether the Israelites were exiled or left behind like Jeremiah, their lives 
were totally disrupted. And so, as I was thinking about life right now, this passage came to mind. Do you feel like you're in a strange land? You feel like your lives have been totally disrupted? I sure do. And although the, the, the passage tells us that this was a judgment on Israel, I don't think this is God's judgment on us, but there is a similarity. God allowed Nebuchadnezzar to conquer Judah. And God has allowed this virus, this unseen enemy, to impact our lives. And the question is, what are we going to do with it? I just saw a text message from Carrie. Oh, hi. <laughs> Says they're watching. So here, here's, here are the connections that I made to this passage and sports on the beach. Now, I... I um, I was grateful because Alan and Carrie gave me the themes and they allowed me to pick first. And I I picked sports because that was the one that I could connect with. And then later, I think God gave me this passage to kind of connect to it. So here, there are four things I think we can learn from sports on the beach. We can learn from Jeremiah 29 that can help us today. And the first is that we need to have patience. God tells the exiles through Jeremiah that it's going to be 70 years So just kind of settle in, you know, go ahead and plant a garden, (laughs) go ahead and get married, go ahead and and give your sons and daughters in marriage. You're going to be here for several generations, so have patience. And when I think of patience and when I think of the beach, I think of fishing. When I was a kid, my dad used to take us to Ocean City, Maryland to go surf fishing. Uh, and we'd do headboat fishing and he never took me on a charter, but um, that was for the the grown-ups. But Sitting on the beach, casting a surf fishing rod, tested my patience. My dad just loved it. He could sit out there for hours. Me, not so much. But I did it because it was time that I got to be with my dad. And I think that's one of the things that this, this pandemic is teaching us is what is really important. One, we have to have patience. And two, family is what counts, right? Being with our family is really what we have now, unless we don't because we're apart. And then it makes us want that even more. The second thing is everything is harder. Have you noticed that? Everything in life today is harder. I was emailing with a a camp director from Pennsylvania, and she was asking me what we were doing for Um, offering activities now that we canceled camp and I I emailed back and I said you know it's just exhausting it's it takes so much energy just to figure out how to open our pool for 30 people three times a week and she said I know we can we can run camp for 200 kids just like that (laughs) but it just takes everything out of you to figure out how to do things in a new way and I'm a runner And if you've ever run on the beach, you know it is harder. It is, it's going to take more out of you. It's going to take you longer. The first time I went running on the beach, I was like, why am I, why am I going so slowly? But you know, the sand gives, right? 
You don't have anything to push off on. And, and it just seems like everything is giving right now. Everything is sliding away as we try to get momentum. The third thing I think of is that we have no control over our conditions. I mean, to some extent, you know, we can control what we do. We can try to practice safe distancing. We can wear masks. We can do what we can to try to mitigate the spread. But overall, the virus kind of has its own mind, its own ideas. And the Israelites in Babylon were the same way. They, they were out of power, right? They had their power stripped away from them, and they were living in a strange land. That's, in fact, that's how they described it, living in a strange land without any power. And that makes me think of riding waves, whether it's surfing or, or boogie boarding or, or body surfing. You know, you, you don't get to decide what the waves are going to be like. You don't even get to decide necessarily which waves you can catch. You just have to sit and wait and then ride it out. And then finally, I think this is teaching us that we have to relax and think differently. It doesn't pay to resist the fact that the pandemic exists. The virus doesn't care what we think. And I think when I think of this, I think of swimming in a riptide. Now, I've never actually been caught in a riptide, thank goodness. Um, but, you know, I read the signs, and I know what happens, right? Two, two tides come laterally across the shore, and they come together, and, and, they, and they shoot out. And if you get caught in one of those, you're going to get pulled away from shore very quickly. And our first instinct is to swim back to shore, but they tell you that if you do that, you're going to lose your strength and energy very quickly. And so you have to think differently. Relax. Swim parallel to the shore, and before you know it, you'll be out of it. Jeremiah tells the people who are exiled in Babylon not to listen to false prophets because there were false prophets who were telling them all they have to do is resist Nebuchadnezzar, all they have to do is resist Babylon, and God will restore their fortunes immediately. And Jeremiah is saying, there's no quick fix. You're going to have to settle in for the long haul. And I think as much as we would like to believe that there's a quick fix, it's not coming. I mean, I think the best we can hope for, right, is a, a vaccine at the end of the year, or early in the year, and then some kind of quick deployment. But how long is it going to take to get everybody vaccinated? And, and will everybody want to do it? That's the quickest of fixes, and that's six months to a year. So we have to have patience. We know it's going to be hard. We feel like we don't have control. But we can make the best of it. Jeremiah says to the exiles in verse 7, Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. And in verse 11, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. God is challenging us in this time to seek the welfare of the land that we are in. 
If you are feeling like you are in a strange land where patience is needed and everything is harder and the one way through is to think about how we can seek the welfare of those around us. So here's my takeaway. First, we can stop worshiping idols. You know, that's what happened. That's what got the Israelites in trouble is they were worshiping idols. What are our idols today? Money, success, possessions, status, your favorite pro football team. If we focus on God and the people that matter in our lives, we can stay grounded through this pandemic. And second, we can seek the welfare of those who have been oppressed in our society. I believe this is a Kairos moment in history. In one sense, things have been wiped, you know, wiped away in such an enormous way that we can rethink what we are doing as a society, what we are doing as Christians. I think we have the opportunity to deconstruct the racism that has oppressed so many people over the centuries in our country. And, you know, when I say racism, I want you to understand nobody wants to be a racist. I was so glad to, to watch the talk that Alan and Carrie did about a month ago. Because I, would, I think it was speaking truth that, that we need to hear. Racism at its worst is a systemic thing that oppresses and we don't even know it. It's unseen like a virus. My father uh, was born in Seattle, Washington, U.S. citizen. Uh, the only son, four sisters. His father died when he was seven. In late 1941, President Roosevelt issued Executive Order 9066 because Japanese Americans were considered a threat on the West Coast in the war effort. And so he and his family were gathered up. They got two suitcases. They had to leave everything else behind, all their possessions behind. And they were taken to Camp Minidoka in Idaho and surrounded by barbed wire, and they slept in stables. Near the end of the war, he enlisted in the army. He wanted to show his allegiance to this country. And he was on the way down to basic training in Camp Blanding, Florida. And on the way, somewhere in the deep south, the bus he was on stopped at a, at a bus stop. And, and he got out to go to the restroom. And he walked up to the restroom, and there were two signs, white and colored. Now, everything he had experienced told him he wasn't white. So he started walking for the colored bathroom, and, and a white man stopped him and said, what are you doing? He said, I'm going to the bathroom. He said, you're not colored, you're white. He was confused, but he played along. That's, you know, that is the absurdity of how we understand race, isn't it? I, I found out in seminary um, that in South Africa, Asians were considered honorary whites for the purposes of apartheid. 
And that, you know, that was like a light bulb that went on for me because, you know, I, as I started to understand how privilege works in this society, I always felt like I was accepted as one of the majority in the culture. Honorary white. Some people call Asians model minorities. What does that mean? And I share this with you because, you know, none of us wants to oppress. None of us wants to support a system that makes it harder for some people to have opportunity than others. But the only way we're going to break it down is if we say, Lord, forgive me. And then ask, what can I do to change? What can I do to seek the welfare of the land in which I'm living. So I'm going to leave you with this. Um, I'm going to challenge you to Google the term unconscious bias. And, and, and if you feel even like digging deeper, um, Google the name Jennifer Eberhardt, who is a MacArthur Foundation Genius Award uh, scholar and a professor at Stanford University. And she's done amazing research on unconscious bias. And, and I just wanted, this was not one of her studies, but just a little tidbit about how that works. Do you know that researchers have submitted identical resumes to job openings at employers? One has a name that sounds white, and the other has a name that sounds black. Guess how many get interviews from the white group compared to the black group? Significantly more, more than double. We don't want to be like this, but the only way we're going to undo it is if we consciously think about it. And see, what I think about this pandemic is I want to find a way to use it to make a difference. I want to find a way to get through it where I'm not just waiting for things to get better, but I'm trying to make things better. That's what, that's what Jeremiah is telling the exiles, you know. Give your sons and daughters in marriage. And you may not understand what that means, but, you know, the, the, the Hebrew race, they were trying to stay pure. And for them to marry foreigners, that was stepping out. So how will you step out? How will you get out of your comfort zone and seek the welfare of those around you? Because when one of us suffers, all of us suffers. We may not know that. But God does. And God is challenging us to take this time in a strange land and redeem it. May it be so. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302 378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers.